I'm freshly off my flu experience for last week, Thanksgiving week. It was uh, quite the adventure, but I'm glad to be mostly rid of this vile flu out of my system. But tonight is going to be a fun night, and I am here with a very dear friend, a very great mutual of mine. It's uh, Telepathy Party. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I... I, I've always had a very fond appreciation of your appearances on I'm So Popular and Filthy Armenian Adventures. So it's it's very much, I, I'm very honored to have you on. Uh, no, I'm honored to be on your podcast. I think this is great. Um, yeah. I mean, it's time that video games had their, were like properly appreciated. And I don't know, it feels like, it feels like it's hard for people to, or like artistically minded people to find a good language for them. So it is kind of fresh territory. Yeah, it. Whenever you see video game discussions online, it's usually like the very formulaic, uh, like review that you will see from a press organization, where it's just like, here are the bullet points of the different sections, and we are going to rate it in a very arbitrary way. Or you're going to get the five hour video essay, uh, from some YouTuber, where normally I'm, I like some video essays but some of them are very uh long-winded and i think they don't get the point of video like how to talk about a game uh i think yeah games are games are uh whenever you talk it should be literally how you talk to a friend it's like you know it kind of has to be the sort of flow and it can't be like arbor it can't be like in a way it can't be academic at least in a traditional sense at least in my opinion but um i am so thrilled to have you on it's i've pers- i've loved your appearances across podcasts i think you're one of the underrated guests on shows you bring such a oh. very you bring such a very uh detailed and you uh, point of view to any discussion you're on um because you were on the episode with zach on hog right um, <laughs> that's been a while but yeah, yeah yeah but i remember being at a a lowe's garden center l- listening to that and i was like grinning ear to ear hearing you guys talk about hog and i, I was like it, it became honestly one of my favorite episodes of season two so i i feel honored to have you on but but uh, enough sort of praising you. I want to ask, as I do with everyone, your gaming history. Where where does it start for you? Um. So for me, it's I kind of have to go back. I mean, I think it begins with Pajama Sam, to be honest. Oh, oh my! Uh, <laughs> I love. Oh, I haven't heard Pajama Sam in a long time. Yeah, I think it was Pajama Sam or maybe like Freddy the Fish or something. But um, it was Pajama Sam. It was the it was the game where he is kidnapped by cookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I, ha- I legit have not heard about that since I was a kid, and I remember, I remember seeing just those games. I never got to them, but like I just remember seeing like the box art for those like online, like just being like a young kid online and just like there'd be like a pocket of pajama sam fans just like kind of oh it has fans it has fans i didn't even know (laughs) but yeah i mean hey you know if it latches onto a certain amount of people people will start like forming their little community around this like tiny little pc game or whatever yeah 
the that was the that was probably like the first video game that I like really paid attention to. I'd say after that it was Pokemon Crystal. Um, mm-hmm. my parents didn't buy us a ton of video games when I was young. Like whenever I got a new video game, it was like a paradigm shift in my life. Um, and for a really long time, I played Pokemon Crystal like before I even knew how to read. So mm-hmm. I barely even knew how to make it. Like, I, I just remember, like, not knowing how to make it through the maps and it being this kind of hieroglyphic, like, abstract experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, th- Like, also, like, very stunning. Like, it truly made it feel like I was running into, like, some sort of legendary creature if I came upon Suicune in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, But then after that, the first video game that I, like, feel like I really experienced the way that I would experience, like... A book or a movie in this like fully immersive way was probably kingdom hearts oh yeah um, <laughs> i was i got that that was the, the first video game that i ever saw a commercial for and i was like this is calling out to me right now this is <laughs> i have like i like i felt called <laughs> by by greater powers um and (laughs) i schlepped my mom to best buy when she was pregnant with my little brother to buy kingdom hearts for me and i have really really clear memories of that day at one point she dropped the kingdom hearts game and there were a bunch of boys standing in front of us wearing green day shirts (sighs) and they like looked at my bursting mother and like didn't pick up the video game and she like talked about these boys for like days and days and days and how like they didn't pick up the kingdom hearts video game for her (laughs) but that's i don't know that's a weird tangent but um yeah kingdom hearts was probably that was my introduction to like japanese or jrpgs i guess um baby's first jrpg yeah, exactly. I had I'd watched like I'd been really into Sailor Moon and Card Captors when I was little. Um and so I did have sort of a Japanophile kind of leaning. Um mm-hmm. but that kind of opened up the doors for Final Fantasy, which mm-hmm. I also never played a Final Fantasy game until 13. Um mm-hmm. but the internet was just opening at that point, so I could I watched a ton of videos and read i honestly read like a lot about the mythology of final fantasy which i just found separately disorienting and and fascinating um Uh, oh yeah i mean 13 especially just because they planned it as like a big multi-game universe sort of thing that sadly didn't pan out i think as they wished it to but it it added to the monolithic size of just the brand the series itself but especially 13 13 i remember was the one that i first remember seeing like videos about and it seemed grander than anything i'd ever seen to that point like yeah the you know the flashy cutscenes of lightning doing these immaculate gymnastics moves in slow-mo amongst like floating crystals separating and breaking into yeah. a billion pieces in this you know complete sci-fi world just blew, blew it honestly blew my mind like i didn't yeah. think game i mean it came out at the right time when like hd was becoming the new standard so it was like Definitely. and i i remember like 
versus 13 it the companion game i remember type zero like it was it was, it was crisis a core as well crisis oh, core came out around that time yeah um, another another game that i actually never played but i like watched friends playing it um, crisis, yeah crisis core is fascinating it, it's so because i think i mean it was a part of that larger seven compilation thing with advent children oh, yeah, uh, advent children uh <laughs> It, it, the the sort of Square Enix machine at that point was uh, fascinating that they could just pump out like a billion different Final Fantasies. Like there was Crystal Chronicles at the same time, I think. There was the... Oh, what was it called? I it played was the... some like Chocobo game too. Chocobo <laughs> Racing? I think I maybe. I, I actually don't really know, but... It was one of their, it, it felt like kind of one of their sort of, um, I don't know, it felt like one of their sort of cash grabs, you know. Um, oh, just yeah. Just like very low, low, low effort. effort. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean. Game for retards, like Pokemon Channel, if you <laughs> remember that. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> the, the, the Final Fantasy machine was at full power. Uh, I remember dirge of cerberus which was oh the most... i played that one as well that one's insane uh a, Vin a vincent valentine's uh spin-off yeah. game where it's a shooter uh and Wait, it's like... i don't know what people think about that now but i have really great memories of that game and i actually think maybe it was because of the cutscenes. like i remember all of the cutscenes so vividly i the the general consensus of it I think right now people either hate it or think it is a guilty pleasure. That's sort of okay. the the reception it has now, um, which is funny because the remake of Seven actually incorporates Dirge of Cerberus elements into uh, its oh, deal really? into the DLC campaign with Yuffie, which is uh, it, it's fascinating that they're sort of bringing in the whole FF Seven. Uh, compilation so it has like parts of advent children it has parts of crisis core dirge of cerberus it even mixes in the there's this small manga series uh about the turks that they incorporate into the seven remake i mean I, which makes me love seven remake even more i feel like yeah. as one of the few seven remake diehard fans it's it's like reassuring to me when like square enix like it, it feels as though they're they are listening to me, the one fan in the corner, being like incorporate <laughs> incorporate uh 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 the uh what's his name a uh, gacked character from uh from Crisis Core, and they are and they're remaking Crisis Core. It's coming out like next month, so uh, oh, highly I'm I highly recommend this Crisis Core remaster that they're doing right now to anybody listening. But to to go off your uh you were talking about 13 uh your final fantasy and you remember yeah. 13 so i won't i won't go too far <laughs> off course <laughs> i um well so i mean just to sort of tie it into what we're talking about today i i don't know i never spent i could never spend that much money on video games like it just wasn't they, they weren't always in my budget so mm -hmm. i ended up playing a ton of because i really like with video games i really like a game with a really solid story and mm -hmm. I loved JRPGs because their stories were so out of this world and felt mm -hmm. mythical and operatic, like almost like 
Wagnerian or something like in a way that other video games weren't mm -hmm. um but i started to get attracted to horror survival games um because they tended to be kind of smaller very um uh very compact games um that were sort of building these these maps these like very controlled environments that mm -hmm. i would go through um and i love i love being scared i love the idea of like a game hunting you i think that's a really mm -hmm. exciting thing mm -hmm. um and i yeah i've played a ton of these like just like tiny survival sur survival horror like indie games that i find on like weird little forums and stuff yeah you you've mentioned to me in our dms you mentioned one called i think it's called mother i believe oh my god i just played that yeah it was crazy it was so good yeah um, I, I love the mother is in the vein of a lot of these very small indie games that are clearly inspired by silent hill where they go the extra mile to be like visually uh the same looking as silent hill yeah. where it's yeah. they're going for that blocky jaggy war wobbly ps1 look which i think add if any i i wish more indie games would embrace that style because it's you know everyone kind of labels that era very ugly looking but i don't i i firmly believe it's not ugly looking you have some really beautiful and horrifying stuff in it i mean obviously silent hill being one of them but like i love the visuals of resident evil or clock tower or fear effect or you know final fantasy 7 8 9 or anything from that era and yeah. i'm glad at least indie horror is exploring this sort of visual aesthetic because i think it really is geared to this sort of unique ways that games can uh scare people uh yeah. being the fact that it's an interactive medium uh you can't get the sort of fear that like silent hill uh produces in a film in my opinion you know silent hill just is fantastic and i'm, I'm glad that indie yeah, games I'm are starting to explore the first time yeah so, like which you, makes you, me so happy you walked me through how to snatch this emulator off the internet um so i mean i'm almost done with it um i at least i think i'm i'm going through i'm in like a hospital right now um, uh so maybe that, I'm like halfway through or so yeah you're about halfway because the there's really i'm trying to remember yeah you're about halfway because the hospital after the hospital there's like sort of like a big set piece sort of moment where there's like a boss that comes right after the hospital level. Yeah. Then you'll, you'll eventually get to nowhere, which I think is incredible level where it's like compiling and using different assets from other levels in the game in a, in a layout that makes no sense. And the puzzles are abstract and are e even more nonsense than earlier ones, like the piano right. puzzle. Uh, oh yeah. The piano I, ref <laughs> I refuse I refuse if I ever like sit down and play Silent Hill, I like refuse to like uh try to figure it out. So I just bust out the the walkthrough guide. I'm just like, I'm not I'm right, not dealing. I'm not, I'm not dealing with the piano puzzle. It makes me want to slam my head in the wall. Uh but I'm glad that that's working for you because uh 
getting getting a physical copy of silent hill one is like literally forking over a large large part of your like cert uh savings away yeah because like uh i went to my game store recently and i saw that the original game is going for 170 dollars right now uh oh, wow. it's the uh, the if you want it that way or you could buy a playstation 3 get your psn account and then add funds to your psn thing to purchase it for ten dollars off the right. psn store it's like they i wish but I mean, Konami... games are so fragile like I, it makes me wonder how these things are going to survive into the future like so many games are gonna just disappear it feels like um like the hardware yeah. is going to deteriorate and like the discs won't be playable and like how do they i don't know how do they even salvage that that I mean, data in it... some cases the data's gone i mean uh notoriously japanese developers up until like 2003 or 4 they would not save the final code of the game so that's just that code is gone so it's like okay you have thankfully this is like the because normally i would be like okay try to get like the physical copy if you can because i i prefer having a physical copy with an old system to play because that's just the way you get the true most true to the original feeling you're supposed to get sort of thing but it's like in some cases it's like i'm not even against an emulator it's like it's like silent hill for an example like just like silent hill one two three and four i don't think any of their original code exists in complete form like obviously infamously silent hill two and three uh they did not save the final version of the game so like when they remastered it they were using incomplete versions of the game so that's why you run into instances of like sign signs in the game using comic sans or the fog not looking right or uh in the case of silent hill 3 they did not have the original voice actors there are the the voice acting files and they couldn't like just hire the actors again because uh one of the main characters of three had passed away oh, so wow. it's like okay. so they recasted the char- the actors so you know i think in that case i support emulation but it's like it's on to these companies and which makes me happy that like in japan they actually started i think a commission to start preserving games uh like it's just this committee that's in charge of trying to find these old games and put them in a track them down and put them in a sense where they can be preserved and then hopefully keep being brought back into the yeah. sort of uh market so to say because you know a lot of a lot of these games do get lost to time i mean i silent hills a, a clear example of that just because it's a famous franchise but there's so many little games or you know sort of smaller budget games that never had the sort of mainstream success of something like a konami project and it's like well they just lost the time yeah yeah. and if you want to play it you have to either emulate or try to track down a copy that's worth hundreds of dollars you know i think it's important that preservation is an active and important thing in the industry you know 
it's it's nice that like companies like Microsoft or Sony tried to do backwards compatibility or offer some of their old libraries for purchase, but it's like, and it's, you have to go the full way. You can't be like, well, only a small percentage of our users care about this. Well, it's like, it's not even really about your users. It's more about the art form. It's, you know, right. you, it, games are such a fragile little a fragile medium that like you have to do better i guess yeah definitely i mean and also just i mean even beyond the games i think that like the iconography of video games has had such a powerful effect on my imagination like you honestly don't even need to have sort of like play i haven't played final fantasy 7 but all mm -hmm. of these characters are like these like Paglian sexual persona like mm -hmm. suited to my imagination. Um so it's you know, I think that they they definitely are all like they're they're worth preserving. They're like these giant pieces of, of digital architecture that are built by like, you know, like with like an artistic intention behind them. And I think that especially over the over the past 10 years, we've like really seen a kind of like almost a kind of like poetry develop out of the like just like the your your movement through a physical environment in a video game um i mean i'm thinking of like the last of us when you like when there's that kind of like chapter shift and you're like walking through this building and you see these like giraffes walking through the city it's mm -hmm. like giraffes right i think yeah mm -hmm. like it really does feel like game developers are beginning to realize that just like the reveal they like know how mm -hmm. to they know how to reveal an environment and they know how to move you through these through these digital spaces um and even if like our world is becoming this like empty evil gray mass like you still have square enix and like the dead souls people constructing these like beautiful imaginary worlds and fantastical forms of like fashion that will never exist in real life and mm -hmm. like you know it in some ways it feels like our it feels like the culture or something is like i don't know it's 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 been elevated or something to this to this sort of digital realm and it needs to be it needs to be cataloged yeah i mean that's a great point it's like i think games have the lug i mean granted it's not like games have like infinite budget but per se but it's when you give an artist or artists creators you know directors producers writers coders artists uh, composers all the sort of different levels of of a game studio once you give them sort of like the canvas of a system whether it be a console or a pc or even a phone and you kind of just give them carte blanche to sort of create a world you do you do really do you get like a magical effect where there's the there's always people talking about the immersive quality about games where they can make you feel as though you're being taken somewhere of other than reality um and games are so unique in that sense where they can create a tactical feeling out of what is essentially nothing uh, and i've always been 
amazed that so many developers are able to accomplish this with so much so much different setups or stories or gameplay mechanics i mean to sort of mention the game of tonight which is the left for dead one and two i remember being so encapsulated by valve games specifically uh the half-life series where it's this sort of mesh of the real world in this sort of covidian alien uh dystopian uh eastern european uh hellscape and they're able to sort of get you on their uh their level and never let you sort of escape this sort of uh the world that is on your screen or or obviously like what you were saying with final fantasy it's like a final fantasy is larger than life in so many sense even the bot the bad final fantasies specifically i always it's 15 the one i hate the most even 15 is, is that a the boys is that like the boys trip yeah. one <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's, that's i the watched my friend play some of that and i was like why does this feel like a like a subaru commercial like it's yeah it's the I, back, the backstreet boys uh go on a road <laughs> trip which which is sad because that was supposed to be versus 13 uh oh yeah that but even the even 15 as it struggles to be a fun game i can still be absorbed into the little emo boys in their car and listening to final fantasy music uh there is some there is a level of magic in the yeah. code that i think people are now starting to comprehend even for older games that are like not specifically yeah graphically and uh luxurious looking i mean silent yeah. hill is definitely a magical experience mm -hmm. um, with, without a doubt i i'm i'm absolutely enthralled with it and couldn't be happier that i have this chance to experience it yeah it, there's so many games in this in this medium that are must plays or just unique experiences that happened as it were like games as a medium are is so young but there's so much that has already been accomplished in was a what is essentially basically 40 years 40 almost 50 years there's still so much has been done with for a long time primitive technology you know i would say games really didn't get the sort of like a, a quote unquote like movie level production probably until like the ps2 era well, you know final fantasy 10 being sort of i would say the the pinpoint yeah. uh but they're my games... favorite final fantasy mm -hmm. uh, generation that yeah. 10 2 with the <laughs> i love 10 2 <laughs> with the the girl group uh yeah the girl group uh but there's you know there's so many games like i can think of like tomb raider for example there's there's a magic in like Tomb Raider being able to go on this sort of dangerous adventure with you know with this blonde you know this bombshell of a woman and you feel the sort of the excitement of action and the and the un the fear of the unknown as she mm -hmm. treks these tombs there's and that's accomplished with arguably very primitive technology and there's so much amaze amazement to behold you know and I think. I, I encourage people to keep playing the classics as it were, because you get a greater appreciation of the medium today and games that are coming out now 
you get to see where like design philosophy has evolved or control or graphics or what have you. I think it's important for people to play something that was made before you were born um, uh, or just go back to old games like on the Super Nintendo, like, you know, like I covered uh, Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3 with Scott, and that's, a you know, 16-bit games on the Genesis, and they're they're just, uh, they're side-scrolling beat-em-ups, and there's, there's a magic to those games, too. Like, yeah. uh, but I wanted to transition to sort of the first part of tonight, which is in uh ties into our two games of discussion and that is the idea of co-op uh because this is the arguably the first game games that i've talked about where multiplayer is arguably the center point and or yeah. one of the major selling points uh cooperative play multiplayer what have you uh and i've had my fair share of multiplayer co-op experiences you know i remember when these games were coming out, co-op was becoming a major selling point in games. You know, if you didn't have co-op, then your game wasn't complete sort of thing. Or yeah. uh, the the sort of struck, the, the mold, as it were, the four-player experience was starting to become arguably the main selling point. There's so many games coming out now today where it's like, it is a four-player co-op experience. And what i wanted to discuss before we get into the games is sort of the the there the the magic going off earlier the magic of cooperative play you know i have so many experiences so many memories with friends growing up where we would boat boot up a game with co-op whether it be a co-op story or a co-op specific mode yeah there's sort of a unique storytelling told with outside of the experience or within the experience that's adjacent to the story that they're trying to convey. You know, I can think of like Modern Warfare 2 and the Spec Ops modes and how there's sort of a, there's like a narrative going on that you and your friends create to sort of uh, give, give these missions like a, like a setting or a, a setup sort of set. Yeah. Um, James I Bond want... Nightfall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That um, was such a, that was such a classic co-op game for me. Like I have so many memories of just going into friends' basements and playing James Bond Nightfall. And I mean, that was really an early experience. That game was an early experience of me, like of what you're saying, sort of like creating your own story where like, you know, we would bend the rules. We would, you know we'd spend more time exploring these maps or like finding the bazooka and like you know mm -hmm. like shooting each other over and over again um you know i i have i have memories of like there being like parties where on the side someone had set up like a projector with james bond nightfall on <laughs> it. Um, so you could go over and like give your shot at you know shooting each other up um and mm -hmm. You, that was that was also back when like those games you could have sort of like sort of like exotic brown characters in, <laughs> in suits running around um and yeah that was that was the, the other one that i can think of like the early co-op game was obviously mario kart <laughs> yeah exactly um I, like i mean i remember 
playing like I mean I don't know how I spent so much time doing this but when I, when I was little we would play like the city like mushroom city or something um you know how like there's that section where it's kind of like all of those intersections of um, like among the mm -hmm. high rises and there are those like bomb cars driving around mm -hmm. um my friends and i would play this game where like instead of completing the race we would go around and chase the bomb cars and try to get each other to run into them um <laughs> like instead of, we wouldn't even like play the race um mm -hmm. so yeah i mean you're totally right that there is and that was all in the same room as you know we were in the same room as each other we were watching the exact same television and now it feels like i mean i don't play a ton of co-op games anymore um mm -hmm. but now it feels like it everyone has to have their own screen and they're all in their own rooms um yeah which is i mean my brother just by just coincidentally my brother was um i, I brought up to my older brother that i was going to be talking about left for dead and he brought up completely unprompted about how like upset he was that um that like there weren't any good co-op games anymore and he didn't feel like he had any games where he could just like invite his friends over to like you know drink a beer and play this game on four different controllers in front of the same like television set yeah uh, i think because you and i are like the same age and so i think any i guess you could say zoomer when they think co-op they think of like the sort of online co-op where it's like like you were saying everyone has their own screen they have their own tv and they you know they were doing it online sort of say and there's no sort of magic they 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 never grew up with the sort of split screen magic uh because split screen more or less has gone away in the last 10 15 years where it's not becoming a it hasn't become a priority uh for a lot of people i mean i remember stories of my brother one of my brothers the one who uh was in college when halo came out and halo of you could course. play the entire story with a friend uh from start to finish and him yeah. you know there's stories of him how him and his buddies in college would just like go through the campaign on legendary mode and overcome the game's hardest obstacles and like that in of itself became the story other than the story inside the game right <clears throat> and i remember how me myself with my friends playing co-op sections and games where it's like i mean like there's games that obviously have they try to make like a co-op story and they try to you know get you and your friends on something together but it's like co-op becomes like a little playground for you and your friends to sort of experiment with the systems, experiment with what is allowed in a game. I mean, you really do get a sense of being able to break the game, as it were, yeah. or uh, push its limits. I mean, I remember being, I mean, I'll you know, jump the gun just a little bit, but I remember playing Left 4 Dead 2 online with a friend of mine from high school, and I was able to break the game as it were. And I was able to jump outside the map and be able to get the highest achievement with him. And that was the story of in itself as like, we escaped the confines of the game itself and were able to sort of uh, create, create our own little sort of uh, secluded uh, environment away from what the game wants us to do. There's, 
and you you have this sort of bond that you have with friends where it's like you can go you tell each other like oh yeah like what we did last night or you know a few years from now you'd be like hey remember when we did this sort of thing there's a special bond that i think doesn't exist anymore at least with zoomers where it's like they they boot up their fortnite and then they just sort of passively uh take in what's on screen and don't sort of uh do anything more with it sort of thing and i do lament that kids these days <laughs> i say kids these days like they don't they there's no sort of like fun to be given like a little playground and being able to mess around with things or a game that actively is trying to create moments as it were yeah. try to create moments for yourself or like whether they build a system where it's it shifts the difficulty around or changes things uh, on the fly based off how well you're playing or something like that. There's no sort of like moment being created in, in the moment. And I, I, I see like my nephews playing games like Minecraft, you know, cause Minecraft's still popular with like kids now. And I don't see them doing the things I did, which was like trying to break the <laughs> trying to break the game. Basically, that's a, that's something me and my friends did a lot. We always tried to break the game. Uh, we try to break the rules or try to break sort of the the idea the developers had in mind, like creating a flying spaceship and then dealing with people griefing each other. Like, right? The I I do miss when like that was the experience uh as it were yeah i mean i i remember like playing there there were some really pretty good lord of the rings games as well like lord of the rings return of the king um i don't know if you, you did you ever play around with those ones mm -mm. um they were actually they were the same thing with that with that halo game that you mentioned where you played the entire campaign with another person in the room with you um mm -hmm. and yeah i mean definitely just like the the bond that you would create with somebody was really spectacular. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that probably the most recent game actually that I actually did have a really good co-op experience on was a game on my phone. What was that <laughs> called? The, the imposter game? Where Among Us. Among Us. Oh, yeah, I don't know uh... what the consensus is. I don't know what the consensus is, but I thought that game was really fun. I... Um, uh... I I would say it's still people receive it popularly. It's more known as a meme than anything yeah, nowadays. Definitely. I mean, as soon as I mean, AOC, it's so simple. It's so simple and repetitive. And I, I do think of it though as like, um, hearkening back to this, like you're in a contained environment, and it's a simple premise. And for the time being, you and these people are creating this little tail with each other and oh, yeah. spinning little yarns and mm -hmm. you know it's like was always interesting testing like you know like when when i was this was like during <laughs> during covid this was during covid is when i downloaded this stupid little game um <laughs> but getting used to the ways that like the the the, the uh, imposter or the among us community would <laughs> communicate and bending those rules and pretending to be the imposter even though you weren't the imposter or, oh yeah yeah you know playing these strange sort of reverse psychology games with these complete strangers um 
and you know even getting weird political discussions started like <laughs> in the imposter verse um i mean i thought that it was all like really fun i was like writing i was literally writing my thesis at my like senior year thesis when i downloaded that game and um yeah it was like either i was researching my thesis or playing among us on my phone <laughs> um no, I, I mean i thought i thought it was a special i thought it was a little special experience but again it doesn't it, among us doesn't feel like it's not like halo or like gears of war i have really good experiences with uh or I, i've had really good experiences with where i mean it does feel like this artistic immersive experience rather than just this kind of you know this kind of this gimmick that managed to land well yeah i i'd agree uh, to go on a little bit of an among us tangent i i think the game is good i think the game in my opinion uh got stale when the aoc and chapo trap house got into among us that's when i was oh, like hey, no, uh, oh i remember that actually i remember so, i remember aoc playing that okay yeah and she played with a bunch <laughs> of twitch streamers too but uh, outside that was also of another historic like historically significant moment <laughs> that people just retcon is AOC, myself included <laughs> yeah, aoc became a twitch streamer uh i yeah. to which i kind of actually miss uh i i i i love i love in hindsight her weird little gamer mo her little gamer phase where i remember her there's this really funny video of her it's out of context that i have on my phone and she's like talking to the senate about something and she's just like Xbox oh, Elite Series yeah. Two controller. Like I, I oh, think yeah. that's like one of my favorite <laughs> I've seen things. You, I've seen you retweet that a few <laughs> times. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite things. I I, I in hindsight, I kind of love her gamer moment. Uh, her being a Twitch streamer is kind of like uh, the sort of uh, encapsulation of that moment where it's like they want to be with the hip young kids and Twitch streamers. So it's like AOC's playing Among Us with like these large twitch streamers but uh but i do think that the the social dynamics that among us created actually do kind of remind me of those co-op games i played when i was a young teenager because you rarely see nowadays like kids engaging in like mind games or they're trying to play with the sort of understanding understanded rules of a game you know they among us was able to sort of bur like test friendships it tested like your inner your ability to cr create stories on the fly like there's something there was there was something there and i think it was a little bit of a, a throwback moment for a lot of people i mean it reminded me of my times on Ter trouble in terrorist town if you ever heard of that which was a oh, trouble in terrorist town that sounds which, awesome it was a it was a half uh, a half-life 2 mod where it was the same premise where it used counter-strike characters where one person was the terrorist and one person and everyone else was innocence and instead of having like a meeting room or a, a meeting room to discuss, it was like you were just like in a map and you had to figure out on the fly um, who was the terrorist amongst your group of friends. And there, I, 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 I miss the sort of days when you could just like 
have a night with your with your buddies and you could just like for two hours of that day just play mind games and fuck with your friends be if you were really good at it which i was never good at it i could never lie for those games i couldn't i couldn't create a good story and i would like freak out and make a bad decision but the the point being is i think that uh i miss (laughs) excuse me i miss when games were these sort of playgrounds that you could do something other than just like accomplish a goal. Like, as you were saying, you know, with nightfall, it's like, you can, I remember, you know, there's like <coughs> creating sort of modes out of standard modes. Like, Oh, Hey, this is, we're only using this weapon for the entire game. Or if uh, we're doing like, we're going to stop fighting each other and build a tower out of our playable characters. And oh, yeah. we're going to just like, spe- <laughs> we're just going to do that for a few minutes. We're going to like have our world war one ceasefire and uh, just sort of become friends. Uh, there's, I, I miss the days when like multiplayer co-op or competitive, uh, it was like kind of like a weird like science experiment where the developers just kind of said okay we're going to test the limits of how these like teenage to young you know young 20 adult men uh would be would react to situations whether if it was like a mechanic was broken or the sort of uh thing uh the like a mechanic was broken or strict rules like what is going to come out of it i mean i specifically remember being in modern warfare 2 lobbies and people just saying the most heinous things to each other in lobbies like that was the that was the fun that was the experience or like in the games we're talking about now like uh being in left 4 dead uh lobbies where people were actively trying to uh, vote kick people out because they oh, were yeah. trying to they were trying to convince the other three people and the other two people in the lobby that this person was actively ruining the experience uh but yeah i mean i don't know if you have right. any or other if certain... you would like log into a library or sorry or you, you no, yeah, log you into a lobby and someone would be like oh that guy sounds gay kick him out <laughs> you know like <laughs> You're like, no, bro, I'm not gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like I mean, that happened to me like a ton of, ton of times. But I mean, whatever. yeah, um, there's, I mean, there's the... also th- there's been some interesting s- ways that they've kind of stretched the. No, I don't. I don't want to say that these are like co-op features, but I mean, there was um, what was that game called where you play the little like cartoon Muslim walking through the desert. And you eventually uh, see all the other people walking in through the desert with oh, you. Journey, journey, journey. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, with what was that game? Dead. Uh, uh the game where, where with Norman Reedus, where there's Death a baby. Stranding. Death Stranding, where where there's like sort of that social media. Another game that I haven't played, but I've watched my friend play it. Um, I've watched several hours of it. Um, and you there's a social media aspect to that as well right yeah you you build something and you get likes you get little thumbs ups 
right uh, <laughs> it's uh, really cute uh and then with the new the new dead souls game um it, it wasn't dead souls though it was like a george r, r. martin elden ring uh, elden ring right um with elden ring you could leave little messages oh yeah people. yeah that would give you kind of clues as to like sort of where in the map to sort of stress in your journey um, or, to, or to sort of like watch out in case there's sort of a trap ahead. That or fuck uh, with people. They would just leave yeah. like, uh, <laughs> they'd just be like treasure inside and it's just like a solid wall that you can't walk through. Uh, <laughs> or, or the another thing I love the, the, the Souls games do is you can leave like, when you die it like saves the last few seconds of your play like that play that run and other players can just see you die what what and it 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 could be like the sort of standard thing you're like fighting an enemy but then a lot of times you'll just see people falling off cliffs like oh yeah, uh, yeah or in those games you you can actually invite people and they can uh fuck with you or they you know they, they can grief help you, you. Out. yeah like there's all the games you sort of mentioned, they all have a very unique way of doing co-op, but I feel like a lot of people have such fond memories of, like, in a, a Souls game, like, someone invading your game, and you are forced to fight them now, or you complete, like, one of the hardest bosses uh, with this sort of person that pops in and then leaves. Journey is such a... I think Journey is such a fascinating game, too, being this seamless adventure where you just randomly will run into another player it doesn't have a player name it has nothing and you just go on this literal journey with an unnamed little uh muslim person yeah (laughs) uh, and the only way to communicate is little chirps that you can do and there's a very sweet uh little story that comes out of it too like i remember being in that game and playing it with some random nobody that just appeared and like we would just chirp with each other to like uh say like okay like are we we're on the same page uh right. and we would just climb this mountain and slide down you know these ginormous gorgeous uh landscapes or in you know death stranding like i i booted up death stranding recently and i hadn't touched the game in like a few months and then suddenly getting all these notifications oh you uh, this player liked what you did what you built and my little uh level up indicator saying oh yeah your your bridge link uh just leveled up 60 times because you helped a bunch of people out and they liked what you you did uh those are unique co-op experiences that like technically death stranding in particular like is is such a weird bittersweet thing where like whenever people like you it feels like this really (laughs) it feels like this really like desperate like post-apocalyptic sort of like memory of social media where like you get a like and you kind of like look out the window and like you shed like a single manly tear oh yeah yeah. oh this like this distant connection across time and space this like other lonely person in their living room like liked my little contraption (laughs) which is quite literally what kojima wanted to because he's like whenever you play a game it can be very lonely to not have anybody like see what you're doing or it doesn't feel like you're doing anything so he just made this mechanic where it's like now you have a lot of people around the world who are like actively being helped because of your actions and 
there's sort of he felt like that was a very moving mechanic that he put in the game and i agree because that game is one of the most lonely experiences you can ever do because it's all about climbing and scaling these mountains in right. a post-apocalyptic america and You're like literally if you die your body explodes yeah it, yeah your <laughs> so body like leaves a literally crater yeah uh, and <laughs> it's it, it's, so it's 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 such a lonely game but that one little mechanic i think changes it completely where it's like oh hey you can pick up lost things that people dropped on the way and then you can help them out like there's there's a sweet there's a sweet message underneath the sort of dread like not not necessarily i guess you could say dread in that game where it's like you know kojima predicts the future once again as he does many a time uh and he like personally feels very in the in the post death stranding coming out he's just like i have to stop predicting things happening uh i haven't felt this way since metal gear solid 2 and 9 11 happening uh oh, i feel wait, what, what happened there did he, did uh, he it, something in metal gear solid 2 which came out i believe uh it came out right after 9 11 and the whole game is about misinformation on the internet, basically, where it's like oh, wow. the main character has no clue what's happening. Like AIs are controlling his life. He has no idea who he is. He doesn't know what's true or what's false. And, you know, the games and it's like there's literal mentions in the game story about how, like, you know, spreading misinformation, like people spreading false truths on the Internet, just uh it's not about like uh, spreading the correct information. It's what's what fits a narrative to a certain person, sort of thing. Right. And you know the the main message he wanted to come out of it was more or less pass on your stories. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, the sort of uh, grander sort of thing. Focus on yourself, sort of uh, story. But he was clearly way ahead of his time for 2001 i mean granted he wrote the story in like 1999 so he's like predicting the sort of quote unquote, you know fake news uh mainstream media people going on twitter and saying some ridiculous statement that makes no sense uh sort of thing you know he 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 after death stranding felt like he had uh gotten way too close to reality again by being so in touch with it so uh but the point but the point being is like i guess to wrap this all up is i think co-op as a mechanic or a feature of a game i think needs to come back in a meaningful way not as a sort of like here's a time waster sort of way right. uh, it needs to be part of your game in a in a way that adds to the experience that it whether it be intentional or unintentional um and i guess that ultimately will segues into the two games of discussion for tonight which are left for dead one and two
And we're so back. And we're back. It's like a... Like, thinking back on Left 4 Dead, and it's like, it's nothing but positive memories for me. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I wasn't a big I wasn't a big co-op person, um, but Left 4 Dead was... I think Left 4 Dead's probably actually the game. It's weird that you even suggested that we talk about this one, because I do think this is the game that I've I've logged the most amount of hours on. Me, um, it was the old, yeah. me too. I mean, I, I were you gonna say anything after I did? I feel bad. Oh no, just that, like I I had it downloaded on my on my old MacBook, and I would play it when I was on like the airplane and stuff, just on single player mode. Like it was, it had this AI that continuously sort of uh like adapted the scenarios to. Mm-hmm sort of match what sort of like the rhythm that you were playing the game at Mm -hmm. um and i don't know i found all of like all of the characters were so funny there was always a piece of dialogue that would pop up in the middle of the game that would like surprise you or like reveal something about the characters personalities or how they relate Mm -hmm. to each other i just like i don't know it was just such a such a beautiful little game and it's so sad that i don't know why they they dropped it it just it feels like uh valve can't count to three i know that's the joke i I know that's the joke but like literally they can't count to three and but uh and it's like three is something they've been waiting they've been trying to do for a while right yeah since 2007 and they they had a game but like they couldn't it was the scope of it was getting so large that they couldn't they couldn't do it and I don't know if they ever will. I, you know, if it never happens, you know, I've I've reached a point in my life where I'm like, I'm okay if this never happens. Like, the the sort of yeah. memory, the the memories that I have with a Half Life one and two will carry me over for years to come. And if Half Life three never comes out, or Portal three, or Left 4 Dead three or Team Fortress 3, or any of the Valve games, you know, if they ever get their third game, their their proper third game, you know, obviously I'll be, you know, overjoyed and, you know, through, you know, through the moon, but I've come to realize, like, you know, embrace what you had sort of thing. Um, but uh, like we were saying, the games of discussion are Left 4 Dead 1 and 2. Left 4 Dead 1 came out November 17th, 2008, and Left 4 Dead 2 came out one year later, exactly on the same day, November 7, November 17, 2009. Uh, these games were, as we said, they were v- made by Valve. They were made by Valve and a small studio called Turtle Rock Studios. Uh, uh, the game more or less came from the idea of putting Counter-Strike characters in a zombie situation. Uh, mm. But... From there, they realized that the, the idea had some, you know, feet to stand on, and it became the game as we know it today. It is a co-op zombie shooter. Uh, both games are more or less the same thing, um, but they involve four characters in these sort of separate campaign experiences that are more that are basically tied together in sort of one big story, but they're sort of separate experiences that you can play however you want, you know, when you want, however you want you in the first game, you play as four survivors, uh, Lewis, Bill, Zoe, and uh, wait, what am I playing? Uh, Francis. 
And right. then the second game you play is Coach Nick Ellis and Rochelle. Uh, Rochelle, yeah. <laughs> I got I a love... sassy black woman in there. <laughs> a sassy black woman who loves the Pesh mode. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, each four these four characters more or less fit the sort of I guess you could say archetype that they look. You know, Zoe in the first. You know, Zoe's the you know the feisty you know college girl. Bill's the gruntled yeah. Vietnam vet. Lewis is the you know the business nine to five guy, yeah nine to five business guy and Francis is the biker in the second yeah. game coach is the football coach who likes food Nick's the con man Rochelle's the TV reporter and Ellis is the redneck Ellis like, is the redneck heartthrob yeah exactly uh, I, I I had like I had <laughs> such a thing for for Ellis I was so obsessed with him I thought he was like so dreamy <laughs> <laughs> well he he makes it very easy to like him because yeah. he has the best lines he has the best interactions he is uh, ellis is probably my favorite i other, Kill other... all sons of bitches <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean these games have a very loose story i mean they're not like you know the last of us like last week you know last of us is a very deep mythos sort of say it has an established lore and events that happen uh but lefford has a very simple premise of uh the green flu inflict infecting the country uh and you just play as four immune survivors who try to get from point a to point b in these like 30 to 60 minute campaigns uh where it's just you know guns and shooting <laughs> shooting zombies but it, what makes it fun and exciting is that they have a mechanic called the director AI. Uh, uh, and the director AI changes the game as you're playing. If you're playing well, the game doesn't give you as much and throws more enemies. If you're doing bad, the game will lessen up the enemies and give you more health. Uh, but yeah, I, I fully love these games to death, specifically the second one. Uh, yeah. I've probably put arguably more hours into these games more than any other i think the only ones that rival it are modern warfare 2 and sadly overwatch uh oh really okay my my overwatch addiction is my guilty my my little guilty uh moment with games but i want to ask you what is your history with these two games I mean, when I, let's see, if they came out in 2008, so, yeah, I was still in, I guess I was still in grade school at that point. Um, Wait, I'm trying to, no, wait. So, Trump was 2016. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) okay, sorry, I'm trying to, like, like, rewind my clock. Yeah, yeah, I was still, I was still in grade school, um, and... I, you know, we, there was there was the zombie phenomenon. That's what these video games are are riding on. Is oh yeah, we've we've gone through several different mutations of the zombie genre, and with Twenty Eight Days Later, which was one of my favorite horror movies as a little kid, we were introduced to these fast zombies. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I I mean, I loved as many children. As many young millennials um, were, I was really fascinated um, and absorbed 
by the idea of like a post-apocalyptic world where all the rules were uh you know all 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 of all of the rules disappeared and you could just sort of uh scavenge and recreate reality as you saw fit and mm-hmm. the zombie apocalypse in particular was something that i found sort of like grotesquely attractive because obviously it means that you get to nobly put down all the losers and haters because they've (laughs) become the infected and you sadly have to put a shotgun to (laughs) their forehead and pull the trigger um and i mean i love i loved this i haven't you know, I, I, I'm not a huge like zombie person anymore. The the right around the time of Left 4 Dead, actually, the zombie genre was beginning to get bogged down with like The Walking Dead and like a lot of zombie people. Like, I don't know if you remember like the zombie survival guide. Uh, vaguely. So this this book by this guy named Max Brooks came out called The Zombie Survival Guide. He later wrote World War Z as well, um, which oh, is that's actually right. a really it's actually a really good book. Um, I I read it in like seventh grade, but I remember actually being kind of like impressed by it. But um, the zombie genre started to attract these people who were obsessed with like the rules of these zombie universes, and if you could, uh, if you could could perfect your understanding of how zombies worked and how you would survive a zombie apocalypse, you could kind of prove your uh your your deserving of survival and mm-hmm. um it it became clear to me that like the zombie genre was this weird kind of like masturbatory thing um that like super nerds latched onto and as i like started to explore kind of like old zombie stuff like uh you know i don't know like like night of the living dead or something um or like the demons movies like you found that like zombies used to be these like metaphors and um you know so it was interesting that left for dead came out um after like Zack snyder's remake of dawn of the dead and 28 days later and like mm-hmm. around world war z because um it really felt like this wasn't a world Th- these were like none of these characters were gamers you know yeah. like the, they, they weren't nerds they yeah. were like cool funny people they they mm-hmm. literally wouldn't be able to make a third left for dead game because these characters are too funny for our modern world like yeah, they I agree. they literally they're, they're they're hilarious like um you know uh i i think that like they're just they're, they're their personalities are so lively and well and and well sketched and mm-hmm. um like it gives you walking through this game you get a sense of like this physical prowess um like there's there's something so satisfying about the melee weapons um and the ease with which you sort of like cut through mm-hmm. these, these zombies that that are that are running at you um i mean the maps are also incredible uh yeah the, I, yeah the, the left for dead one and two i would say two more so it, it allowed it really does sort of encapsulates the zombie playground as it were back in the day because this this came out after Dead Rising. I don't know if you've played or heard. Oh yeah, that. of course. Yeah, yeah. And Dead Rising, Dead Rising, I would say shifted along with Resident Evil Four, shifted the perception of like zombies and games from like a pure horror 
position to a more playground aesthetic you know dead rising being you're trapped in a mall and you have to survive day by day but you can like wear a bikini and like uh right. mow zombie <laughs> you know kill zombies with a lawnmower in a mall like there there's a very free and fun aspect to dead rising there's almost no horror in that game at all it, yeah you know it places the horror quote unquote onto the human characters who are the bosses but uh you know left for dead one and two while they still try to inject horror like imagery whether it be through the special infected or the numerous and uh what i love is the the writings on the wall of uh, yeah, past yeah. survivors that add some like background to the landscapes you're going through but left for dead at its core is like chaotic on your you know on your feet excitement that is always different like I don't think people understand that like if you were to observe these games in a vacuum and you were to watch it, you'd be like, well, this might get boring quick because it's these campaigns never change. You know, it's the same sort of locations you go through time and time again. You They never they never get they never change. They never like retroactively change these in patches. They're the same campaigns they were from 2008, 2009. And you know you would think like oh this would get repetitive this would get boring like how is this so entertaining and fun especially nowadays but i don't think people understand that how the characters are able to sort of keep this experience going because they seemingly have thousands of lines that like in many cases you'll never experience that like yeah flesh them out like There'll be dynamics that you'll get to see play out potentially in a playthrough. You'll hear them reference older maps or old uh, previous events. Like, and, you know, the gameplay, the fact that it has this director that constantly is changing things for you on the fly. And it's not, it doesn't follow the sort of set thing like a game AI does where it's like, uh, at this point, the enemies will spawn. Like, no, the game is constantly throwing new things at you and in in situations that are never ideal and it's never the same you know and that's the fun of it all and it plays into the sort of co-op hecticness that this this sort of uh framework uh is built off of like you could i you know from my personal experience i have I probably put whether it be on the Xbox version of this of these games or on the PC versions or on my Mac in high school. I probably pro- probably could have put near a thousand hours into this game. I can't say that about any other game in my life. Uh, and I've never felt bored one second. I've never yeah, felt yeah. bored with these games. I always can come back to these you know these four these eight in total characters. I always can, you know, crack a smile. I can always like have a laugh with them because they're, they are just fully realized. They're fun to be with and they're fun to play with, even though they're all identical, you know, I can kind of like live out my sort of fantasy uh, of this character. You know, they give enough. Who who do you choose? Who who are your two characters that you usually go with? Uh, 
Well, in the first game, I would always go with Zoe or Bill. Okay. Um, in the second game, I always went with Ellis and Rochelle. <laughs> I'm literally the exact same way. Well, first game, I always went with Zoe. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I would go for Francis, but yeah, usually I usually went for Zoe. Um, and that was that was less of the gay male brain <laughs> in me and more just because I, I wasn't particularly like I loved the three male characters but I wasn't particularly drawn to any any of them um yeah. as like as like a player um but in the third one I or, or sorry in the second one I always would play Ellis um mm-hmm. who I think is absolutely hilarious um Rochelle as well would be my second choice um and Rochelle and Coach are really special because they're some of the last two, like, I mean, like, that's back when, like, you were allowed to, like, depict Black characters as, like, seeming Black. <laughs> like, yeah, they, no, totally. Like, they were, like, dropping one-liners, and Rochelle was, like, this, like, kind of, like, uppity and frigid, but very, like, maternal sort of, like, Southern Black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and coach is good like i mean there's that there's literally that line in the intro scene when coach goes this used to be a nice, nice neighborhood, neighborhood. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so funny um and yeah it's the, i you will not see a game make a coach and rochelle today they would all they if you look at any game where it's like there are two black leads they are exactly what you think of when it comes to two black leads uh they have no character yeah exactly um they're like completely textless um which i mean it's 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 too bad that this but it's also like very it's it's very predictable that this kind of racial the racial paranoia downloaded into our culture has completely uh turned everybody into like it's literally like cast everyone's eyes down and no one knows how to like observe any kind of like racial difference anymore because like they find it embarrassing um I mean I recently was called racist for mentioning that Latino guys tend to wear demon slayer shirts in LA which is just a true observation they do like they wear Naruto and demon slayer shirts and when you walk into a store and they're selling demon slayer shirts they're selling it to the to the latino guys yeah. i mean which is like cool but literally some guy at a gay bar called me racist for saying that and i'm like no i'm not racist you're just literally blind like <laughs> you're just a fucking moron um but it's i mean like yeah these this it it reminds me of a time when like things were simple ev- right things were simple everyone was racist and it was okay um and like you could you know you could obviously these these characters like are like kind of racialized i guess um mm-hmm. but it's in this like fun way that you don't really like observe that aggressively i mean i've been observing that this with a lot of culture now that's like pre 2010s just how like seamlessly diverse quote-unquote diverse they are um and it's like seamless because like the writers and directors aren't like 
pushing they, they aren't like exploring these like racial representations in terms of this like cultural dialogue that's occurring um they're just kind of like they're just sort of like doing what they they're they're just like making characters you know they're just they're you know they aren't like they aren't trying to like like out they aren't trying to like outwit like the 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 race nerds out there yeah um, i mean left for dead too especially because it's set in the south too and you think if yeah new orleans and louisiana it, it, yeah new new orleans in one level but like they have a plantation level in one <laughs> in the game there's a I mean, the game start the first campaign and the second game starts out in Savannah, Georgia, in Savannah, South Carolina, or Savannah, Georgia, uh, and it treks your journey to New Orleans. And I guarantee you that if the game was made today, there would be the sort of shoehorn slavery discussion between Coach and Rochelle, like because the final set piece of the of the plantation level hard. Uh, uh what's blood harvest no not blood harvest uh that's the first game uh yeah blood harvest is the first game that's a great that's a great level with oh yeah yeah Um, the there's the parish uh hard rain it's something swamp i can't remember the name of swamp fever Yeah, yeah swamp fever if swamp fever was written today it would be uh no one would want to play that level because right. of all that or I mean, <laughs> the five levels all the, the five levels are i love the five levels of left for dead you have uh oh, why i literally no mercy these, yeah no no mercy is the uh, first game which also is a fantastic yeah uh campaign um never got them here no mercy crash course oh wait no sorry that's a downloadable one so no mercy death toll or de- um, uh, the second game is dead center the passing dark carnival oh, yeah. Swamp right. Fever, hard, well, the passing is a DLC one, but yeah. Dark Carnival, Swamp Fever, Hard Rain, and The Parish. Uh, those, all five are fun in a unique way. I mean, they all have their own sort of gimmick, as it were. You know, Dead Center is the mall. You know, the a zombie game has to have like a mall setting at some point. Right. Uh, Dark Carnival is such a fun... <laughs> I love yeah, Dark Carnival. Yeah. Uh, you know, set in an amu- a southern amusement park. I don't know. It made me think of Dolly World for some reason. Yeah. Uh, you have the clowns running around in their clown shoes, and they they squeak at you as as they as they sort of like yeah walk toward. around. And if you yeah. if you melee them away, they make uh, their noses make a honk sound. Like yeah. <laughs> they're uh, swamp fever. You know, being set in the swamp, but they have like you know the final stand at the plantation. There's the crashed airplane uh hard rain where you have to go get gas and then come back in a month like a monsoon uh as in hurricane katrina (laughs) (laughs) and then and then you see new in the parishes in new orleans and katrina like yeah yeah exactly which, which we were talking about beforehand was uh, Left 4 Dead 2 had its had like a two controversies. One being its box art being uh, offensive to British people, but the second one was uh, the game being like soft called racist at the time. Or I guess you were saying is recently has it been called racist? No, again? I think it was a while. I think it was a while ago. But I was just I was perusing the Wikipedia article um, just to sort of see if there were any recent updates on the 
on the game and it it like i i recalled this controversy um about it being set in new orleans because this was around the time of hurricane katrina and there were complaints that because like new orleans i guess was this racialized city which i i don't think i mean being like yes and no but like um it's just because there's a lot of black people living in new orleans in the ninth ward but i mean the zombies are like not even like racially distinct they're just like kind of gray gray yeah um but also just the fact that there's this hard rain episode which literally puts you in the middle of a like a, a turbulent sort of rainstorm um where the entire town becomes flooded and literally recreates the map in front of you um i you know they people thought that that the memory was too fresh but it was actually like you know it was exactly what the game needed because this is a game about sort of like you know it's the 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 dream of being in a zombie apocalypse is being a kind of outside a wise and outside observer and therefore a survivor of societal collapse Mm -hmm. and that kind of you know the like Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina was this kind of like apocalypse, apocalyptic scenario that everyone could sort of witness from afar and mm-hmm. sort of like passingly judge. Um, I mean, recently it's like it was interesting playing this game because like this again, like it feels sort of COVIDian. Um, I still haven't really gotten over since COVID. I still haven't really gotten over the feeling that like the world has somehow ended and I'm a survivor chopping through the zombies (laughs) um it still feels like every single day i come across like a new friend of mine and i just realize that like they like they're just like one of the walking dead now and that covid like stole their soul um and like they you know it 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 feel it felt like this weird like it was like a spiritual pandemic or something um Mm -hmm. and you know, I have survived that pandemic by keeping a sense of humor, which is exactly the thing that distinguishes these survivors from the zombies, is that the zombies are these rabid racing hordes trying to claw away at your joy and your vibrancy, and you just have to vibe. Like, mm-hmm. that's what these characters are doing. They're all just, like, <laughs> vibing the entire time, and it's just so fun. Yeah, it it's funny to look back on this, the zombie craze in games, because, like, in the moment, there, you know, it was more or less, like, that power fantasy, power, the what-if scenario, like, giving you a bunch of tools and toys and saying, okay, like, you know, make your way to salvation but it's like now in the modern sense as we sort of you know lived through it all two years ago it kind of reframes these experiences in a fun or maybe not fun but like in a more somber way because like i guess we got to experience it but like not in the way that like media portrays zombie apocalypse being the end of the world but it's like you you know we always say like you know the libtards 
uh, bought into COVID and they became completely different people. And, you know, I've seen it personally within my family, you know, these, you know, the way in which everyone sort of became these very husk, you know, the husks of their former selves where it's like, they're trying to, like you said, take away the fun and the vibe, which left, left for one and two sort of are soaked in it's you come to love these you know these both games the cast of four and you get to go on this roller coaster ride and you're sort of being attacked by people who want to take away your fun you know uh, lefferted too it's like the you know the game has so many like bizarre i mean on paper bizarre but like absolutely the most fun things ever like the dark carnival level has the the set piece moment where you are running through an art uh the amusement park you can play like whack-a-mole uh oh yeah (laughs) you can play whack-a-mole you can play like a shooting game to get a little peanut mascot plushie to carry or no uh the gnome you can carry the little gnome character across the map to get like an achievement and then you have the set piece concert moment where you get to like get all these fireworks that you can use to like blow up all these enemies and right. have fun, you know, well, the, the midnight writers. That's yeah. right. <laughs> the midnight writers who, who Ellis is a fan of. I'm pretty uh, sure that there's like all, a spinoff. They're all fans of it, which is even funnier. Like, Oh, right. That's right. Rochelle. Is a, yeah. Rochelle, and, Rochelle or no, uh, coach and Ellis are fans. Uh, right. Nick doesn't care. And Rochelle does nothing about it. Right. right. <laughs> It's, it's yeah it's it's hilarious and they have like you can walk up to the microphone in on the concert as coach or ellis and you get to hear them like sing the lyrics of the song like <clears throat> in one of the dlc campaigns you see the midnight riders van like running off in the distance and it's like the game is just these games are all about like just having fun and trying to get away from the soul sucking fun fun police as it were yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> or like the fu- like they're they're just like the the gray the hordes of gray nothingness yeah the, um the like blobs. the racially ambiguous hordes of gray nothingness yeah um you're yeah you're uh you're you're, you're a ragtag you're a ragtag group of like homegrown racists just <laughs> vibing and shooting people <laughs> and you're just kyle rittenhouse like <laughs> but um i mean okay like that this is the this is sort of to sort of connect back to what i was saying earlier about the zombie survival guide um like it feels like covid was the entire the entire like covid opera was driven by these these nerds who had read the zombie survival guide in grade school or high school and had learned that the way that you survive the end of the world is that you follow the rules you are a rule follower and like again like most zombie media it's about like like a lot of movies a lot of like the the night of the living dead like the george romero sort of movies they become about people coming up with new rules and new 
ways to outsmart the zombie invasion. And that's what makes Left 4 Dead so fun is the fact that it's about the exact opposite. These characters aren't like, like there's literally that opening monologue with Coach where he's like, he's like, barricade your home. Yeah. Like report suspicious activity. He's uh, making fun of like the yeah. government's like rules uh, yeah. about the uh, situation. Wait around for specific instructions. Then he goes, wait my ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, like that's literally like what my attitude was during COVID was that was I was like, I was like, I was like, wait my ass. I'm not sitting around at I'm not barricading my door and reporting suspicious behavior that's like retarded. I'm not yeah. <laughs> it, it, and even the first game, even though the first game is more I would say follows the standard zombie movie type uh, setup. The characters in that game too, even don't behave in sort of the established media role. Uh, Like Francis, one of the characters, his like entire gimmick is saying how he hates everything. Like normally like the, the, the gruff, uh, you know tough uh biker guy would be like you know being like follow me guys i know what to do or bill would be like that and it's like but no these characters back and forth with each other as if like they're being mildly inconvenienced about things right and that (laughs) the there i've said this before (laughs) on the half-life 2 episode with logan how valve has a I think I did. I can't remember. Uh, it's been a while, but Valve has such has such a magic when it comes to their characters that really no other game or very few games are able to sort of let match them. Is that Valve's characters feel so real that they be they feel like people we know? Like we know these sort of characters. You know, we know someone like Alex from Half Life, or we know someone like Doctor Kleiner, or Eli or you know uh, Dr. Breen or whoever these sort of characters exist outside of the realm of ones and zeros they are realer than real whether it be you know a mixture of their voice acting or their uh, the lines given to them or their the graphics at the time you know half or valve characters are special I mean that's why so many people has such fondness for every character that they made, including like Team Fortress 2 being a multiplayer game where everyone's more or less a stereotype of something. Like everyone loves the Team Fortress 2 characters you play as and let the Left 4 Dead casts are no different. You know, people to this day, I think, you know, I remember being a like on the early YouTube and how like people were mishmashing, creating like things in gmod with these characters and using the voice lines from these games to create new stories with these characters or insane scenarios or comedy videos or what have you you know i remember the gmod idiot box and all those sorts of videos and people just adored these characters in a way that you know you you wouldn't see today people would be like utilizing in a fun or outside the experience way. Uh, And I commend Valve even to this day where it's like, and especially amazing with Left 4 Dead 2 being that it was a game made in exactly one year. 
the fact that they were able to take everything that they did with the first game and basically elevate it to a higher level, you know, better, bigger, better, and more fun. And they still found a way to like make it all work in the end, which is incredibly difficult. You know, even today, yeah. it's damn near impossible to make a sequel in that short of a time and just do it better in every sense. Yeah. Uh, I there's there's that other part about the co-op, um, because the co-op is, um, what's the term where it's like non-symmetrical or whatever or asymmetrical a- asymmetrical. It's like asymmetrical co-op where you you can play as you can play with just survivors, but you can also play as an infected. And I always loved the asymmetric. I think it's like a great example of asymmetrical co-op, um, because both teams whether you're playing as an infected or as a survivor they have different abilities but they feel balanced in a way that is very difficult to achieve and legitimately take demands like skill from the Mm -hmm. players yeah Um, so like that's that was always that was always great to me yeah it it is a commendment to valve as developers and creators that like they make these hyper detailed hyper fleshed out levels that never become boring like the, the, there's a there's sort of an exterior part of the the left for dead experience which is the modding community and if you play a modded map like a fan made map you realize how that like they're they're good but they're not valve good sort of thing right, you know right. they whether if that's a limitation of the tools that fans are given and they can't freely do things as they see but you know everyone will think about getting the cola in dead center right uh, right as like a little moment contained in the game or uh in you know to go off dead center still it's like uh having to run across the mall to turn off uh the fire alarm and avoid everything the game is throwing at you and then that's over and then the next moment of the game is finding gas for the stock car that's in the mall so that you can escape like the game is constantly introducing new mechanics or calling back on things and elevating it even further like there's it's a commandment that like even something where it's like it will never change as I play like you know I I booted up Left 4 Dead 2 like a few months ago and it's like I know exactly what happens in this game I've played it you know I know it like the back of my hand sort of thing but I am still like grinning ear to ear as like you know I have to like endure the three hunters that the game just randomly threw at me like just because it right. noticed I was doing well at the game right. <laughs> like there. Yeah, there's also like um i mean the the special infected so like it feels like each of them is a sort of a type of person like there's like <laughs> the, i mean the smoker has a long tongue and he um he wraps it around you and drags you towards him i mean i guess he's like he's literally a smoker like if you shoot him he, he tur- explodes yeah in a cloud there's, of smoke in a cloud of smoke there's the boomer who is just like a fat guy i guess if you're fat and infected you become a boomer um yeah. <laughs> there's the jockey i guess if you're like a chronic masturbator or like <laughs> a bottom or something like you become a jockey and i mean ellis has that line that he says where like 
if if a jockey starts to ride someone he's like stop humping her head or something like, <laughs> like um, no man should ever be ridden like yeah. that or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah 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 if you're if um if you're like an anorexic feminist you become a witch um <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the uh, the the witches there's the tanks uh if you if you're a, a steroid abuser you become yeah, right or you know if you're the charger if you're also a chronic masturbator because the right. charger has oh. one giant arm oh that's and right, the other yeah. one's just like a little like little shriveled up one like <laughs> right. or, or if you're uh, a hoe you become the spitter oh uh, yeah yeah you're just like a slut <laughs> Uh, the, the the special infected are so fun because not only are they like challenging little gameplay like mini bosses they're they have their own little characters like uh i'm trying to like like in the second game they added like the female boomer as like a variant to oh, it yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. and she's got like the trashiest like tank top and yeah. like <laughs> jean shorts on like it totally fits the setting like yeah uh and i, I and uh, there's such a fun uh roadblock to you and for you to encounter but like what makes left for dead's gameplay so dynamic and fun is that the game will find ways to like mesh it all together it's like oh hey you get pulled by a smoker and then get uh, attacked by a hunter or a jockey will pull you uh, to a spitter's uh, acid attack uh, and now you have to like worry about this sort of thing there's never a dull moment per se like the game always knows how to properly make you freak out in the in not in a horror sense but in a sort of like managing three other people sort of sense uh especially if you were dealing with uh i guess you could say toxic players uh there's there's a there's an unspoken like social game being played while you're playing uh left for dead yes. games where you're constantly having to deal with like players who may not be good or they might be like uh total power trip uh dictators who if you do something wrong they will uh cast you out and try to vote you out of the game like there there's something to be or said there are of, hoarders like who like yeah they'll take all the best themselves weapons. and they take all of the they take all of the health yeah uh, what, what are they the, the the med kits or whatever mm -hmm. um or like the rushers who like run really far ahead without you and then get like they yeah they get killed yeah they like, get killed right which puts you at a disadvantage um <laughs> there's there's an unspoken social game at play at Left 4 Dead, especially you know, especially if if you're going into a private, a public lobby with three random people. Like, just obviously, when you're with a friend, you can coordinate and do all the sorts of things. Like, you can properly progress and do you know the sort of standard experience. But once you are with three random people who you've never met, you've you don't know how they behave. There's something. Some people hate it. I kind of love it. Like I love having to deal with griefers because griefers uh, are special little snowflakes in my mind. Who? Uh, What's a griefer? Uh, they purposely will just mess with your game, whether it be like someone like you were mentioning, like they run out ahead without without. Oh, okay, got it. Like yeah. they run up ahead, or they like if you're playing on the harder difficult, like expert mode, like in expert mode, friendly fires turn on. 
uh griefers will just like in will just kill you uh that so it's just they can go on their own pace there 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 is a fun social little game it kind of reminds me of among us like we were saying earlier there's power dynamics and power plays that you can do or you can team up and uh deal with situations and left for dead does a good job of like trying to counter griefers but they're still going to happen but right. there's still a fun you never know what you're going to get into sort of thing especially if they're in voice chat or if they're using the text chat uh, on on pc where they're just like reprimanding you in the text chat it's like well i have the vote button at my yeah. disposal <laughs> we can get you out of here uh there there's some like games today's you know multiplayer games they're so afraid uh of like uh people labeling the game as toxic or whatever encouraging you know uh pe you know people who will get like scream at you or say why are you doing this you're retarded sort of thing like stuff that I grew up on, you know, I, right. I grew up, I grew up in lobbies full of people going at each other or calling you, you know, a dumb faggot or something like that. Like that was expected. And that was the norm. And it's like, well, you you know, all you had was a mute button or you could just leave the game or uh, that was basically all you had to stop these people. Or, you know, you, you use the game to one-up someone especially it's a team game it's like well now i can try to be the best player sort of thing uh but the point being is a lot of games nowadays like i brought up overwatch as my guilty thing but overwatch especially in the twitter sense the online sense is always being called like the toxic game where the developers have bent over backwards to like address players being toxic to each other uh oh my god where it's like if you know in that can game, you report you, other players yeah you can report them for like uh gameplay sabotage or aggressive behavior or spamming or what have you you know there's multitude yeah. of reports and you know the fact that like blizzard has had to like dive to put so much of their money and resources into people like complaining about this where it's like you know i i hate saying this uh, it's like back in my day that didn't exist you either had to get good or you just leave the game like that's all you had to do yeah stop go, stop crying to mommy like buck up and either like defend yourself on your own terms or get the fuck out yeah like i it... mean that's the thing is that like <laughs> at the end of the day like a lot of these gamers loot like it gives you it gives you a chance to come up with your own style of kind of like of like reading people mm -hmm. and kind of like parlaying with them and a lot of gamers don't really have that they don't necessarily even have that sophisticated of an arsenal at their disposal so it's like not even like i mean all that they're really listening to all that they the only information they have about you is your username and your voice you yeah. know so you know like the fact that people take these um these like otherwise sort of like anonymous experiences so personally to me is um yeah it's 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 really sad and i mean you know i mean games definitely they are very 
they can be a very isolating experience. Um, and so I guess with that taken into account, these kinds of like those transgressions can feel maybe like exaggerated to like especially autistic minded people. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, like, I don't know, like, I think I, I, I think, I think, I don't think like autistic characteristics and people should be like encouraged, you know, like they, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone has inside of them their own little autistic, beautiful autistic butterfly <laughs> um and it's true you know everyone has been taught that this makes them a beautiful mind um and they want that <laughs> they want that like pure innocent beauty to be uh like respected but i mean you know at the end of the day like you know if you know if you're going to be going to if you're going to be going to rule makers and and pleading to authority to help you stamp down on like the chaos then you're just like anti-fun and you should get the fuck out of left for dead which is i mean it's great that the game has this you know oh, it's, i yeah. mean like i guess like libtar like the like the libtar <laughs> sort of red pill dichotomy didn't exist back then but you know it the characters themselves the personalities supplied the tone for the game and you knew that you were in for a kind of rude experience you know, mm -hmm. um, so I haven't actually had a lot of bad experiences on Left 4 Dead. Um, no, I've had I haven't mostly, either. I've had mostly good experiences. Um, and, you know, it's it's not the it's not a kind of it's 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 not the kind of sanitized, I guess, sort of like Overwatch experience that mm -hmm. other people have had. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, are you allowed to like call people faggots and like say you like you like fucked your mom or something in those games or i mean well for one in overwatch like you know back in the day i keep saying that but like <laughs> back, like in in the multiplayer games that i played like modern warfare 2 or black ops it's like the voice chat once you turn on the microphone uh you were in voice chat like that was basically it so like that was it like in overwatch you have to jo join a voice chat that's in uh, in an option menu so like <clears throat> for one they like lock off the autistic people into the voice chat if you want to do that sort of thing and i've heard it before but it's like you see all these people who then just like report this person report this person like there was you know there's this wasn't a thing I feel like back in the day. I mean, sure. There probably were people who were like reporting accounts for being like, you know, cruel sort of people online, but it was like, you either just use the mute button or you just kind of like nut up and sh make them shut up sort of thing. That's like, great. I, I don't know if I'm stretching when I say this, but it's like games in a way are very Randian in the fact that you can take, you take control and you create, what you see fit like you use your skills and your abilities to overcome obstacles in that are presented to you and you are overcoming an adversity and a struggle and online online spaces and games are are like ripe for the picking for that sort of thing where you especially in competitive scenes even co cooperative 
to some extent too where it's like a lot of the you know cooperative games will actually like rank you based on how well you did or they'll show like hey this person got the most kills or they uh you know they didn't took you know in like in left for dead's case you know they show all the statistics that happened through a campaign who killed the most zombies who healed the most who took the least damage who was the most accurate you know right, right. i i don't know if i'm stretching to say like games at a, after before a certain point which i would say maybe like is 2015 they're very much like in letting you embrace how great of a person like a great of a gamer as you were like it encouraged you to play better and get better and it would rightly show off who was the best player like in modern warfare 2 you had a kill streak that would end the game if you killed 25 people in a row without dying you got the game over button uh, for a multiplayer match and like games actively encouraged the best you know rewarded the best players mm-hmm. they you know i think people nowadays are just not used to that or they just can't take the fact that somebody is so steadfast in their own world and vision that you know it's like well i have to take this person down to my level uh right yeah i mean i noticed this with like uh with um you know like working from home on my computer is that like when when you're working all when you're working all day from like an email box your job with other people working from email boxes your job becomes about managing these very minute forms of communication and tiny slippages um not cc'ing the right person or um not you know i i don't know there's just like there are a million little tiny things that can that can t- tiny otherwise sort of like uh irrelevant things that can go wrong that become kind of these titanic problems in the um i don't know in the sort of like social aspect of it and i think that like there's something about sort of these relationships that build across a screen that encourages sort of like petty tyrant behavior you know mm-hmm. people want to become managers and they want to uh like it 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 it, it encourage the sort of like isolation of the screen i think encourages people to um like kind of managerialize their their experience um because it feels so so tailored and so controlled and can feel so sort of like clinical and when human personality gets involved and when human personality intrudes on like the cleanliness of this of these spaces it's it's a it's it's abrasive to people um so you know i mean it's 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 too bad that um you know i i feel like i feel like gamers should as you said should try to move towards more social um forms of gaming um i mean were you ever like a were you ever like a dungeons and dragons person have you ever like done that no i haven't but i know people who have uh i not that that's a solution (laughs) no i I know but i i get where you're coming from it's like Granted, now the modern scene for Dungeons and Dragons is like they're trying to rough, they're trying to sandpaper out the edges that make that experience fun. Whether it be like 
Wizards of the Coast, the company who owns it, is like, well, we can't have orcs uh, be alluded to black people sort of thing. Oh, no. you know, like, But, like, basically any sort of, like, 2010s libtard nerd who, like, you know, ingests the sort of Kool-Aid, as it were, you know, they've kind of taken over the space and it's lost sort of its luster. But there are groups of people. Like, I know one of my good buddies that I've met through Twitter, Dave Cobald, uh, you know, he would, I believe he would do, like, he's gotten into, like, tabletop games where it's all about sort of the dynamics between people in the room, in the space, at a table. And it's about, you know, over you know creating your own sort of universe and being sort of willing to play play with other people uh sort of thing like um it's funny because i was watching a video from 30 rock about how there was there was a episode where they actually have a dungeons and dragons uh uh scenario where jack has to like sacrifice himself in order to like uh take control of the land uh but the point being is like they're they're I don't get it, board games. <laughs> yeah, the I I I I it takes me a bit to get board games. Yeah. I've always I have been... a friend who's really into board games as well. Like he has like ten different board games and like he always has a new one and I'm like, can can we just can there just be one board game? Like the like it it, it feels like it like it the point of the board game should be like the social aspect of it. That should be, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and if you really want to get competitive with like a sit down game, like do something, uh, do like do something with a sense of class, like playing cards. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't know why. Yeah. And I think, I think card games, board games, they all, that's like a separate discussion that I'll probably get yeah, to yeah. at some point in the show. I feel like, but I think, I think just like, you know, young, the the Zoomers and all that stuff, it's like they've been brought up in the world of managers where it's like you have to be the manager of your experience. And if something is not, you know, game developers are always trying to deliver an experience where it's like, you know, if something doesn't align to their customer base, they have to retroactively implement things that, uh, can keep certain people playing when in reality most people just don't want that they just want like stuff that inside the game whether it be like balance patches or new content or you know stuff like that they want that instead of like blizzard devoting half of like a giant chunk of their their post-launch efforts into like making a new new report system or a new point like one thing i remember overwatch added was a system where you gave endorsement points to players who like were a good teammate or were a shot caller or what have you like they spent a lot of their time on making something like that and to encourage good behavior or but at the same time the game is like players are like screaming at the developers it's like hey like fix the game balance patch it whatever but they have to like encourage like the little children to like be good citizens as it were right yeah but 
and that's just something foreign to me because it's like I came for the game. You know, I I grew up in the age of like when online was becoming the dominant playground, as it were, and it was expected that like online you were going to face. You know, for me as like a thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year old, you were going to face people who were older than you, who were more aggressive than you, and it was like all right, you're going to have to learn to work with them or learn to overcome them. It wasn't like about like punishing them or like making sure that they can't experience the same thing that you want to. It's just, they're like, you know, they're going to scream the N word at you occasionally. Like (laughs) that, that, that was, that was just accepted. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, I think that, you know, a good way to wrap up this discussion about Left 4 Dead, about co-op, is that, you know, you give the sandbox to the player and you let the player work within that sandbox. And or whether it be you give them the Lego set that says, okay, here's like the here's like the little bin full of all these little ingredients. And it's about making the experience hey, suddenly we're going to throw, like, a curveball at you. Like, I think if we, if games can go back to that sense, you know, whether it be, like, a Death Stranding way of doing things or an Among Us sort of way of doing things or anything like that, where it's a creative and inspired decision, I think that's a net positive. I mean... Do you think Twitter is a co-op game? I I mean, I think Twitter (laughs) is a game. co-op experience. I, I mean, that's a good question. I think as a whole, Twitter is a game. I, yeah, I think definitely. I think it definitely, I think you raise a good point that it is definitely co-op because you're learning to work with all sorts of people and then suddenly someone is going to uh, preemptively backstab you because they decided that their trad life is more important than like, <laughs> I don't know, being a normal person sort of yeah. thing. Like the, you know, there's, well, Twitter. our our kind of sphere is very very weird. Like the mm-hmm. the more that I use, because like I was on Twitter, like I had like a Twitter account that I would use to browse in like 2016, 2017. Like I didn't post anything. I just like kind of followed, you know, big accounts, and it did kind of still feel like almost like Reddit, where everyone was on the same level and everyone was kind of like in the same world. But it feels like the Twitter sphere that we exist in, it has specific lingo and, um, you know, like it has a sort of, it has a sort of, a sort of in, in, in interior um, kind of, kind of drumbeat that's, that's happening. Um, that's very unique to a lot of other Twitter spaces. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to see like with like this Elon Musk stuff that has somehow captured the world's attention, you know, like, um, I mean, I have a good friend who, within the space of a week, went from I don't care about Twitter to Twitter's the most important thing in the world because Elon Musk is taking it over. And uh, even though Twitter has always had biases, it's now heinous and fascist that these biases are being controlled by Elon Musk, which is <laughs> which is crazy. Like, it's like, yeah. you know, um, it's it's like it's interesting to see people um people go from having these sort of like high and mighty opinions um 
and positions about this video game they're playing. And then all of a sudden, the kind of... Um, I don't even want to say that the rules have changed. They've changed a little bit. You're obviously a blue check now. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, no. are you are, are you a blue check? Is I'm a blue I, check because of Twitter blue, but everyone yeah. apparently uh, a multitude of people are very upset and will make fun of you if you bought Twitter blue. And it's like, well, I don't I think want... it's fine. Like... <laughs> it's, it's fun. I don't know. I don't want Russian yeah. bots influencing my timeline. I don't know. Yeah. It's like I get to join the uh illustrious uh journalist class and i get yeah. to uh say that everyone who disagrees with me is a russian bot uh yeah of course and if, if you're if you're distributing media through twitter it makes sense to like to like upgrade your experience a little bit i think that that makes i think that that makes perfect sense mm -hmm. um and the fact that like all that the fact that this like elitist class of posters thought that they were special because the like the twitter god came down and like landed on their shoulder <laughs> you know it's just it's funny to see it's funny to see people's robot brains get like i literally feel like lydia tar but like it's funny to see people like <laughs> people become robots and all of a sudden like even though like people don't have a twitter account and don't interact with twitter or even have like close experiences with how the algorithm works and clearly influences people's perceptions of the universe it's funny to see these people receive messages on their phone and their phone all of a sudden tells them that there's this new fascist threat called Elon Musk. And <laughs> you now have to get really emotional about this video game that uh, literally a week ago you thought you were above. Yeah, you it, know? it's the MP. I mean, it's the NPC mindset, which, you know, is a game yeah. term, you know, non-playable character. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it's like they get their they get their patch note from the developer, which is, you know, the the liberal media class. And they're they've been updated to t be told what is important in life. And, you know, Twitter as a microcosm of everything and everything, everything and anything all at once, you know, it, it feels very like we are in a Sims world and someone is like putting new sort of newfangled things that we have to do as little characters in the algorithm. And Twitter, as you said, I mean, it's very co-op because you find these sort of people that have similar positions and viewpoints and it's about working together to overcome whether whatever sort of nebulous JRPG boss that lies at the end of this app, you know, and <clears throat> whether we have to grind out our sort of uh, our stats in order to be properly ready for whatever uh, Final Fantasy Shin Megami Tensei God boss waiting yeah. for us, <laughs> like. Um, I just want to be Ellis. I just want to be Ellis replaying yeah. the levels over and over again, just having fun, <laughs> being flirty. Uh, I mean, do you remember when, do you remember Shrek is love, Shrek is life? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you remember how like they like, doesn't Shrek like rape Ellis in that? Yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, I God. mean, like it just, yeah. I mean, I, for, like for me personally, Twitter doesn't have, a final boss um but i know that for a lot of people it has 
who've like gardened up uh like I don't know like like Joyce Carol Oates or something like who have this like these like huge presences online it feels like it's this like foundational platform for them um mm-hmm. and I mean it's been lovely seeing Joyce Carol Oates have total meltdowns like this like literally this like celebrated authoress who's yeah it's... written best-selling novels um going just like tur- like turning into turning into an npc it's like it's it's just i mean it's it's absolutely fascinating and again it makes me feel like i am like like just the game of keeping your sanity while this evil machine works around you feels like its own little mini game or something yeah it feels like the uh the shooting mini game in left for dead uh yeah exactly and then you have to carry your little gnome companion across this like you know across the gray masses of 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 georgia as you uh work with your ragtag group of uh different uh fun and unique and exciting people unique and racist people (laughs) (laughs) the fun unique racist uh 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 gay gay men who uh, (laughs) who make every day better sort of thing uh but i think that is a a great way to summarize this whole discussion you know co-op left for dead twitter gaming whatever have you and i want to thank you telepathy party for coming on tonight it's been been an absolute oh absolutely and uh i think that is where we will pause the recording for two